understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Welcome back to The Stranded Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Hurley, and I am so hype about today's guest because this is this is what you guys really, really need. This is what I've been hearing from you, and I have brought on the guru to help us either break this down or understand how to handle this as women, as entrepreneurs, with these crazy schedules that we call life. My fellow alumni from Florida State, our guest today, Dr. Keita Joy. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you for having me. So let's jump right in. I know all about you because I'm a stalker of your work on social media and the internet. But for my audience, tell us a little bit about Miss Dr. Keita Joy. Wow. Okay. Well, I would say first and foremost, I am a believer. And so I um, love God with all my heart. I am a wife and mother to two children who are um, Maxwell seven. Michaela is five. So starting in August, I'll officially have two school age children. They'll both be in elementary school together right down the street from my house. Yes. I was going to say I heard that when both your kids are in school, it's like a big like hoorah moment for oh my gosh one it's a huge milestone and two like I was still driving like almost 30 minutes to take my daughter to her preschool and it was it was a lot and I mean you do it with a smile but honey I am happy that that season is over and both of them jokers go to school right down the street from their house so I'm, I'm excited um but we've been married for uh, August 4th. Well, oh my gosh, it's coming up next month. It'll be 11 years married. Oh, congratulations. uh, Thank you. Seriously. And, um, business wise, I have my own life coaching and success, uh, strategist business. So I, I am twofold. I help high achievers holistically, um, cause a lot of times on the outside, people think high achievers have it all together and they don't. And a lot of times they're a hot mess and they're always trying to figure out what their next move is. Um, but the average person can't really see that. And so I'm there to kind of help assist and give them that clarity and self-awareness. And then I work with a lot of small businesses and up and coming entrepreneurs and I help them with marketing, um, and branding tactics, um, as well. And then I'm also a corporate trainer. So conflict resolution, team building, empathy in the workplace, those types of topics, diversity, inclusion. I handle that. I'm an author of Fabulous and Faithful, a 31 day devotional for women. And um, yeah, and then I am an empowerment speaker. So that kind of sums it up. So I guess what I should have asked instead is what don't you do? I know. <laughs> I was like, let me shut up now. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm saying right now. That's it. Have you ever seen the show Billions on Netflix? No. What is it called? Billions. 
No, I got to add that to the list. Add it to the list. But okay. I only mentioned it because I thought about you when you said that you help high achievers because they're typically a mess. Yes. It's a show all about a billionaire who has a, a, a crazy billionaire business um, or clearly achieves billions. and But he has a therapist on site and another woman that basically keep him sane because mm-hmm. he's That's so right. stuck I on business decisions that he can't function in his everyday life. Yes. Okay. That's on my list now. <laughs> Check it out. I was like, that sounds exactly what, like what you say you're doing. <laughs> yes. It's so true. It's so true. Cause I've met so many people in that situation where like that, um, a lot of that money is used to manage their life. You know, whether it's babysitters and nannies and housekeepers and because the everyday stuff gets, it all gets mold over. Yes, it does. It does. And it's like, you have to take care of your mind, body, and your soul. And yes. so a lot of times high achievers need help doing that. And that's what they say is when we're successful, we're considered successful, but we put ourselves third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're so driven to, we driving ahead of our own self, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, so true. So speaking of mental health, let's talk about this. Cause I, I've heard the famous Barbara Cochran say, and I heard it when I listened to an interview that you did, mm-hmm. that work-life balance doesn't exist. And I, I know that's true because I listened to her on an interview with Damon John where she basically sold her business to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because she just felt like she said her entire career leading up to it, she every time she built a new office, she would build an office, a space next door that if she ever had a child, she could put the child next door. And then she said, once the point came, she was like, this, this is impossible. So why, why is that? We're all trying to figure out, can we balance this? Can we be successful business women, entrepreneurs, career driven women, CEOs, and still be moms and wives? And why doesn't this work life balance exist? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think the biggest thing is we as humans have a hard time in general, defining success for ourselves. That's, that's to me, I think is the hardest thing for people to do um, because we're always so focused on what society says success looks like, what our parents say success looks like based on traditions. Um, And so we make a lot of decisions based on fear. (laughs) We are very fear driven people. Um, And so I think the first thing for anybody is to figure out like, what does success look like to me? Forget everybody else. Because if you can't figure that out, no matter what you pile on your plate, you're always going to be unsure. You're always going to feel insecure. You're always going to be wondering if I'm doing enough or I should be spending more time in this area over the other. And that's because you haven't properly defined what does success look like for you. And so I always say that's so important first. And that's so liberating when you're able to do that. Like, forget what she's doing. Like, I'm proud of her and I'm happy for her, but I got to figure out what works for me. You know, what does success look like for me? Um, and then the the second thing is, um, there's I don't like saying the word balance. I like to just say there's just seasons of life. There's just certain seasons that you're in and different seasons look different um, at different times. And you need different things during different seasons. And that's OK. Um, so bringing up the example, like I'll give you an example. Perfect example. My life. That's, here we go. My life. Right. Um, there's so many people that probably think what I do is too much. Like I have too much on my plate. Um, but for me, I'm content. I am fulfilled. 
I am full of joy and I make sure I have the proper support system to help me. Now, I know somebody else who has four kids and that's probably a reason why they can't imagine doing some of the stuff that I do. And I'm looking at them like, I can't imagine having four kids. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I can't imagine but, having two. <laughs> girl, that's, I know, right? But, but it's just like, you, you have to figure out like what works for you. And just even breaking that down, like for me, I had to learn as a mom, what are my non-negotiables? What are some things that I know I have to be there that matter to me? And every mother is different. There's some mothers like doing arts and crafts with their kids means the world to them. They feel connected. Look, my kid don't come to me with that. I'm not that mom, you know, and I'm, but I'm okay with that. You see what I'm saying? Forget everybody else. I can sleep at night and I'm okay because I may not be the arts and crafts mom, but I'm the mom that I'm on the field trips with you. I'm going into your class and I want to help you, you know, be a volunteer. That stuff matters to me. So it's figuring out what are your non-negotiables in any relationship. So whether it's with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, with your children, um, your business, like what are the things that matter to you? And you make sure no matter what, that that's what you want to make sure that you take care of. So I'm big on that. And I'm big on your big rocks, which is like your priorities. Like what are your top priorities? And so for me right now, my priorities is God, my husband, my children and my business. Mm-hmm. And if you heard friends weren't wasn't in there. So, um, I value my friendships, but the season of life that I'm in, I don't have a big space for my friends, but they understand that, you know? Um, so it's really understanding the season that you're in and then planning your life accordingly around those, that season and getting off the guilt trip. Cause men aren't around here like, Oh, I need more work-life balance. You don't hear men saying that this is a woman complex, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. You so many things you just said. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so one, thank you for your honesty. I love that you're using yourself as an example and you're being so honest about it because yeah. that mom shaming stuff is real. It is. It's so real. It's we beat ourselves up. I've been through it before. And I'm like, you know what? I got to figure out for me what's important to me. What what you know, the things that I want to be a part of in my children's lives. I mean, like even today, I I have a I'm not going to get home today until probably eight o'clock tonight. Mm. Um, but I've got a great support system in place and I'm okay with that because I know the things that I'm doing today match my priorities. That's the thing. If I'm not here in these streets and I'm doing stuff that doesn't match my priorities, then yeah, I would feel guilty. But if I'm out here and I know the things that I'm doing match my top priorities, I feel good. I feel good. And then tomorrow I spend the whole day with my children. You see, so I I figure out what works for me. And I think honestly, the root cause analysis of everything, we're so focused on what other people think, other people's perceptions that we don't take enough time to figure out what does balance look like for me in this season? What does that look like? And figuring that out, you know? I love that you broke that down into one the seasons because things do really change and priorities change often mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. do not obsess over these decisions that we're making are not concrete. They're typically temporary. Mm-hmm. And two, they are. They are. I've had times where I've had tons of times for my girlfriends and then I've had seasons where I'm like, girl, I call you in the car when I'm driving and that's, that's about it. 
That's all you're going to get right now in this season. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I've got for you, girl. You yeah. know? No, I completely understand. And then redefining what success means for you in that season is yeah. critical. And being as, as specific as to the way you broke it down. Because, like, I remember when I started my business and my podcast, and I had I still have a full-time job that I love very much, and a 10-month-old. And I remember when mm-hmm. I first started, it was so overwhelming to figure everything out, make the time, find the balance, you know, even, even my happiness was sacrificed and clean the house and do the thing and cook dinner. And I just remember being overwhelmed at one point and my boyfriend finally said for, said to me, well, then why do you stress about cleaning the house all the time? Mm-hmm. And I said, cause I don't want it to be a mess. He said, for who? I don't care. I know what you're doing. Like either ask for my help or don't worry about it. Right. Like, Wow. You know, it just hit me like as women were uh, some women were just so I was so stuck on the Well, we can't go to bed with the house clean or, you know, the house needs to be clean before the weekend comes. Like, but for who? Mm-hmm. I'm in a business right now. That's priority number one. Exactly. I love that. And I recently um, now I hire someone to come in because oh, I, I, I was just like, no. I have a very tight schedule and the time that I do have, I want to spend it with my family and I want to be present and cleaning was taken away from that. Like, so if I have to pick and choose, I'd rather hire somebody and I got the hookup with this guy who just came here from another country with his family and he needs, he needs, so it's like, we're all, I'm helping them out. Right. So I'm helping his family out by giving him business. So it works out. It all works out. So amazing. Can we can we go back to you said it and I was going to ask you about it anyway, because I saw the interview you did on Fox 35. Yes. Where there was that panel there and oh. there two women and a male and you talked about work life balance and he was like a deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. And finally someone was like, wait a minute. So men don't worry about this. Y'all don't walk around with checklists. You don't because the thing that struck me the most was, OK, yeah, men don't walk around talking about a work life balance. But what? What about the insurmountable amount of pressure that we feel every morning when we wake up, wake up about balancing the kids, husband, work, you know, self, house, everything? How come they don't feel that pressure? Is that like in our heads or is it just only women that feel this way? Like I, I was so confused about that. Why, why, why just us? Yeah, well, I think from the beginning, archaic times, you know, it was always this whole uh, um, notion that men were able to just provide. That's what they are. They are providers. That's what they do. And if they get an opportunity to do anything else, well, yay, good for you. But long as you provide, long as you provide financially for your household, that was it. So when it came to family matters, the bar was set really low for men. Society has set the bar really low for men. And that's not biblical. So that is something that just culture has decided to do, you know, Mm. Uh, because I'm a firm believer in the Bible. And I look at Jesus's teachings and I'm like, that ain't how Jesus rolled, even though he didn't have kids and stuff. But he everything he was hands on. That was a hands on man. And so this whole notion that now men, they don't have to be hands on. 
all they have to do is just provide financially is completely false. And so I think that men have believed that narrative. And so women have also, we believe the narrative and that's why we keep putting so much on ourselves. I have to do this. I have to take care of the kids. Well, this was a 50, 50 partnership. Now, granted, I know some women end up being in a situation where you have like a deadbeat father. Um, and you know, that's unfortunate, but a lot of times, women are married to men who probably would help out, but you've allowed them to get away with doing the bare minimum, believing this lie that you have to do everything that you have to plan out cooking and cleaning and the trips and this and that and take care of your business. And that's completely false. So now I'm like how Maxine Waters said, reclaiming my time. I'm very intentional about making sure that I ask my husband for help and make sure he knows like when I need him to be even more hands-on than other times. Like, so for the month of July, I make sure we have conversations like, look, this is my schedule. So this is what you need to do. Like we're in this together. And I think a lot of times women, we don't even have these conversations with our significant others. We just bear the burden automatically. And then we resent them when you didn't even include them to begin with. Mm. So I'm big on like, no, we in this together. Um, And then when you think about it, after a while, we're all creatures of habits. So think about, I'll give you an example. I have one of my friends, she she used to cook every day for her husband because he didn't like leftovers. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, so are you a stay at home mom? I was just trying to like figure this out. It's like, she's like, no. So you're a teacher and you teach all day, um, but then yet you're still responsible for cooking this meal every single day. Now, if you love cooking and that's like your thing, that's a totally different situation. But if you're over here tired, stressed out, burnt out, and still trying to figure out how to make this homemade meal, um, why are you not including your husband in this? And so this went on for seven years. And then finally, after year seven, she wanted to change and he was resistant. I said, well, you can't blame him. Can't fault him for that. Seven years, this man has had a brand spanking new meal made by you every day and now after seven years you're saying no anybody would have a hard time (laughs) adjusting to that you know and so it goes back to like no we're all in this together so my husband I make sure he mans up as a as a man and does the things that he needs to do which he does and I lean on support and that's another thing what women have to do get the support that you need my mom helps out I don't do this stuff by myself I've learned that that whole superwoman complex, please, you can bury that. If I need help, I'm asking for help. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) when you said that about telling, like making sure your husband knows the man up, I feel like there was somebody in my audience that kind of went, they're looking for their husband right now. Uh, Where are you at? Come here. Come here. I need to talk to you. Come sit down. (laughs) Yeah. And, but, that's that's having your voice and knowing what's needed. Mm-hmm. But what what do women do when they're either a afraid or b know that their husband will be resistant to that? Yeah, you 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 know I this is what I've thought about. Anytime you're thinking about a situation, you always count the costs, right? You count the costs of any situation. You think about how much does this mean to you. And if it's something that means a lot to you, then I'm ready to walk through the fire. That may mean that now you and your spouse need to go to see a therapist now. Mm -hmm. Then go, go. But this matters. This matters. 
This is how you run your household. So I feel like that takes top priority. And if that means to the point that we need to see a counselor or a pastor to help us through this new season, because now it's a whole new season, then let's do that. Mm. And I'm a big proponent of therapy, and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. So can we go, can we talk about therapy for a minute? Personal therapy, couples therapy, which one is more important? Should you do both? And why is therapy so important? Yeah, I think, um, shoot, do it all, child. I mean, at least, <laughs> <laughs> definitely for me, it was important for me to do it for myself first. Um Because at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. God has given you authority over yourself, you know, and that's why he's that's why, you know, even one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. I control myself. So I have to make sure I'm doing the things that I need to do to take care of me. Um, So I believe in couples counseling, but I believe before you even do that, you should make sure that you're seeing a therapist one on one, taking care of yourself. Um, and, and then after you do that, you can definitely do couples counseling together. And a lot of times people think you have to have something like horrific happen in your marriage in order to see a counselor. It's like, no, it is just a neutral third party who can shed light on situations because the both of you, you're biased. You're only seeing things really only from your side. As much as you try to empathize with your spouse, you're still seeing things through one lens. So when you're with a therapist, it's this neutral party who's able to give you these aha moments like, oh, I never thought about that. I can see that about him. I can, you know, so it helps you to have this new level of understanding for your spouse that you wouldn't have had on your own. So I just want to encourage everybody, like sometimes people think you got to be on the brink of a divorce before you actually see a therapist. It's like, no, you know, it's just clarity. We always can use more clarity. Right. That's why if you are a member of a church, they suggest premarital counseling before you get married because it's oh, like yeah. how you, before you jump into this, it's the healthiest way to make, you're not even double checking if you're making the right decision. You're just setting yourself up for the right, with the right foundation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I saw where you said therapy is the new black. And I was like, yes, say it again. It, <laughs> it, it, it's helped me out so much. It helps me to just be more patient um, with my family. It just gives me an outlet to just talk about the things that are going on in my head. And yeah, you have your friends, but your friends have their own issues too. You know, you don't want to be that friend who always got something going on. You know, that's such a burden. That's not their burden to bear, (laughs) you know? Yeah, friends are supposed to be there for you, but they're not supposed to be your parent and they're not supposed to be your therapist. So they'll offer advice here and there. They'll allow you to vent, but they can't give you the guidance that you're seeking. You have to seek that elsewhere. And it's exactly what you just said. It's literally, you said, to understand the thoughts that are going on in your head. Because I can account so many times where I was in therapy where my therapist, because I've gone multiple times. Um, I've gone until I find the right person. I'll go through three or four therapists when I move to be like, oh, okay, this is the one. But where she accounted to me, like, is is that really true? You know, are you over-exaggerating? Are you making that story up in your head? Like, we will have a, a full-on war with the thoughts in our mind. And the therapist can just kind of stop you and be like, you're thinking this way because of something that happened to you 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. And that's actually not really what's happening right now. Right, right. They're able to connect those dots for you. And you said, because I, like, I want to go back to that because it's, 
a lot of people, there's still so many people out there that will be like, why, so why do you go to therapy? Are you, you, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? And you said in an interview, if you are anxious, if you have any anxiety, if you have fears, or if you have insecurities, you should see a therapist. And I was like, that, that would be a hundred percent of people. Right. Exactly. That's my way of saying everybody needs to see a therapist. You need to, you, you need to see a therapist. It is so healthy just to be able to talk to someone who, you know, is not going to have any judgment whatsoever. That is good. That is a neutral party. And then on top of that, this is the icing on the cake on top of that is qualified, hello, qualified to give you the advice that you need. Because sometimes you're seeking out friends and as much as they love you, they don't have the expertise um, to be able to give you the advice that you need. They're not qualified. So you, you literally get the complete package when you seek out a therapist. And I always tell people, you know, it's a relationship. So you may have a therapist and it wasn't a good fit. Doesn't mean that all therapy um, is like that. It just means, oh, I just need to find someone else. Mm. So. And speaking of self-care, I want to I wanna mm. quote you on an article you were featured in Forbes. Um, a brief uh, piece from you. And it said, in a fast-paced society... It's imperative that people find time to be still and alone with themselves and their thoughts. And I really wanted to harp on what you meant by this because myself, I found this like increasingly one of the most important things in my life right now. It is. It is. Um, I really believe that this is such a fast paced society and it's so easy to um, not take care of ourselves. And you know how they say you can't pour from an empty cup. And we have to be so intentional about taking time for ourselves. We have to take time for ourselves. And um, you can't assume that other. And then this is the thing, too, that I've seen with women. It's not someone else's responsibility to remind you that you need to take care of yourself. This is it's your job. We don't have, we think we have a lot of jobs. We really don't. That is one of your main jobs is to make sure that you take care of yourself. Because when you take care of yourself, you're in good standing to be able to, to love up on other people. Right? Um, so I'm very intentional about for the week, thinking about what do I need to do to make sure I take care of myself. So I'm big on my uh, morning spiritual, spiritual regimens. I'll get up. I always say I get up like early when Jesus gets up. Um, <laughs> and I run, uh, at least three days out of the week, three or four, I'll run about a 5k, three miles in the neighborhood at five in the morning. I'll meditate. I'll read some scriptures. I'll pray. And that's before I talk to anyone or engage with anyone. And I, the reason why I have to get up so early is because my son, he's an early bird. Sometimes he gets up as early as six. Ooh. So if Oh, I know. So if I want peace, quiet, I have to deny myself. I have to sacrifice my sleep and get up. But it's a part of my self-care. And I'm like, one of my big words for this season that I'm in is honor. And a lot of women have to realize that self-care is honoring themselves. That is a way that you honor who you are as a woman. And what I've noticed is when we truly honor ourselves and we honor God, 
He takes care of all the rest. It The rest gets done. You will have time for everything else. Because I used to believe that lie. Like, oh my gosh, if I took time to do this or do that to take care of myself, I wouldn't have time to, you know, take care of the different tasks that were on my list. Furthest thing from the truth. Furthest thing from the truth. The more that I take care of myself, somehow the more time I have to take care of the other important things in my life. And it's not selfish. Oh my gosh, not at all. It's not selfish. It is literally self-care. It's survival. That's what I, it's survival. Forget selfish. This is survival. It's like, what are you doing? I, I think it's hypocrisy to go around helping people and you can't even help yourself. Ooh, say that one again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is straight hypocrisy. I'm going to say it again. Rewind. <laughs> it's like hypocrisy. You over here being a God in light for someone else and you can't even find your own path. Wow. You know? It's wow. like you, we, you can't do that. You, you want to be an example of how someone else should live their life, not just tell them how they should live their life. Be an example. And self-care is a part of being an example. Wow. That's so yeah. true because there's so many people that have an opinion and have their best advice and can live a certain way, you know, on social media or on the outside, um, but don't have that balance and that self-care and that happiness and that peace for themselves. Oh, man, I know. Especially nowadays, this social media will trap you. It will get you. Like, you better have that offline peace. <laughs> Be like, that's why I loved what you said about, like, waking up early because every... Oh my goodness. I've done like 30 interviews in this podcast so far. And every single successful person I know wakes up before everyone else have a house full of people, kids, Mm -hmm. husband wakes up hours before meditates, works out and reads because you're setting the tone for your day. You're, you're, you're making a decision before you get on social media, before you talk to anyone that's upset, pissed off, gonna, you know, you know, cut you off in traffic. You've already made a decision that you're going to have a good day. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing is, you know, you battle with wanting to get up in the morning. The covers feel so good. The blanket, the pillows just right. You know, that AC temperature is just mixing perfectly with that sheet ratio over your toes. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you are really in your sleep element. It feels so good. And I literally have moments where I have to honor myself and I have to say, okay, self, I can either stay in this bed, but I know if I stay in this bed, I will miss out on an opportunity to truly honor myself and get myself into that mental, spiritual, and physical state that I need to be in for the rest of the day. And I'm like, what you going to do, Kita? What are you going to do? You know? And I'm like, you got this. Get up. So sometimes people think it's always easy. Sometimes you have to check yourself. Like, I be fussing myself out of my head. Like, no, you're not doing that. Stop. <laughs> Sit down. Take a break. Take some deep breaths now. And I be like, ooh, okay, Kita. Like, talking to myself. I promise I'm not crazy. But sometimes we move so fast or we can be so stubborn because we're creatures of habit. And we develop bad habits. So sometimes a bad habit feels good. It's weird, but it does. So sleeping in feels good. But I know... The spiritual, mental, and physical benefits of getting up earlier far outweigh this little momentary feeling of, you know, of feeling comfortable. And so I always tell people, it's like, you have to choose. Like, you have to choose either being comfortable or choose focusing on your calling. And your calling always wants you to be your best self. 
And if you're going to focus on that, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. But you have to do that in order to take care of yourself. Focusing on your comfort versus your calling. Mm-hmm. Because the comfort, that's a bad space. We're just so used to it. It's like a sunken place. You know, that's why sometimes you see people in abusive relationships, like, well, why she don't leave, you know? And sometimes you get to this place, it's like, it's all you know, and crazy has become the new normal for you. Wow. And you have to break that cycle and break that habit. Almost like generational curses too, but you know, that's deeper, but it's the same thing even with self-care. Sometimes it's like, you know, maybe you didn't see your parents practicing self-care, I was just about to say that. Yeah. So it's like you're the first person who's finally trying to implement what self-care looks like in your life. So a lot of times, even though it's good for you, it may not be easy because you're not used to doing it and you haven't seen someone model that behavior before. Well, I feel like we're such a self-aware generation Mm -hmm. that now that we know all the things that we need, we need, it's even harder to create those good habits because the generation before us did not. Mm-hmm. I can't, exactly. you know, I can't even think about how many moms, you know, mine included that, um, herself, she was last on the list always. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Exactly. About it that way, but it's really hard to create habits of things that you've never seen, you know? And I've noticed too, that we're also not information overload. Like everything that we need at our fingertips, just go to Google. Every self-care practice, every quote that you want to post on Instagram, everything you want, you know, let's be real, right? Everything you want is right there. But I think the the issue now is the application. You've got the knowledge, you have the resources, but now are you applying? Are you applying what you've read? read? See, that's the hard part because application requires sacrifice, Right. And that's the part that's challenging. It's like, oh, wait, now I actually have to implement this. I actually have to work on my character and change my behaviors. Oof, <laughs> you know, that's difficult. It's easy just to read something. I can read something all day. I can post something all day. I can repost something all day. But now to actually apply it, that's the part that takes discipline and self-control. Well, it's just like you said, that discipline and self-control only a percentage of people will be prepared to do that. And that's what's, that's the difference between average and above average. Say that, say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why coaching, that's why, that's why uh, coaches like ourselves will never be broke. (laughs) No, exactly. Because they constantly need, somebody needs accountability. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. That's the kindest way. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you have a three-step success prescription formula, right? I do. I'm so excited about it too. Can I squeeze one of these steps out of you? Yes. <laughs> Go for it. Is there one in particular you want me to talk about? Yeah. Just give me your favorite or the most important. They're all so important, but I'll, I'll just pick one. Uh, give us an overview. I didn't, I didn't know if you were willing to give it away or not, but yeah, of course, of course. Um, so it's, and do you do it well and do it consistently. So doing you is like really being your authentic self. And now I'm at this place where even saying authentic doesn't even sound authentic because everybody says authentic, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, you really have to figure out what you want, what you like, what you do not like. 
And that sounds so simple, but it is hard to do because once you really start thinking about that, you realize how a lot of what we think is dictated off of other people's opinions and perceptions rather than our own. Mm -hmm. So doing you is figuring out how do I want to live my life? You know, my values, my morals, my goals, my personality, my character, my swag, my everything. How do I want to live my life? Like, what does that look like? You know, and be okay with that. Um, And then doing it well is excellence. Um, I've seen a lot of people lack excellence. Excellence cannot be determined only by the type of position you have. So I see people like that. Depending on the position, they're excellent. But then if they think it's a menial task, oh, now you don't want to work that hard. Wow. Well, then you really don't understand what success is. So that's a reflection of who you are. Yeah, you got to sweep the floor the same way that uh, you help your you do your job, you know, you make your money. Like Exactly. I remember I had a situation, long story short, I was in first, I was a first grade teacher, did not want to be a first grade teacher, was mad as hell that I was a first grade teacher. I, I was upset. Um, but you know what? I said, I will not take out my frustrations on these children. They still deserve the best education ever. And that is my responsibility while I'm in this role. And I prayed my way through it. There were times I would pray and cry. That's how much I did not like (laughs) that job. But those kids never knew because I prayed myself through it. And, you know, when I got into that classroom, I was the best first grade teacher they ever had. Wow. You know, and that prepared me for these new seasons. So now it, it doesn't matter about what the job is. Who am I? So remember the do you? Who am I? So I'm a woman of honesty, of integrity, of love, you know, so no matter what job I have, I'm always going to display those traits, you know, that excellence. So that's, that's that excellence. And then consistently is big, especially with business owners or people wanting to do something new, because as soon as they don't get what they want or it doesn't look like what they thought it was going to look like, they just give up. Right. And I'm like, that's not what successful people do. You have to keep going. Oh, well, I tried for two months, two months. Oh, boo boo. That's so cute. Two months. (laughs) If you don't roll those sleeves up and work, and I'm not saying you're not going to have pitfalls and emotional setbacks, you know, and where you have to get re-motivated, you you know, motivate yourself again. You're going to have those moments, but you have to keep going. And I see it all the time. So many people even look at me. I have people we started around the same time in this journey and they stopped. And then they're looking at me like, wow, look at all the things that you're doing. And they make it seem like it's so easy. I'm like, it's not easy. I just didn't quit. I kept going. I kept going even when I didn't get a sale. I kept going even when I was a broke entrepreneur. I kept figuring stuff out until I got my strategy down pat. But I kept going. Quitting was not an option. So I don't really believe in that whole have a plan B because all the energy you're spending in plan B, you could have been putting that into perfecting plan A. So it's like, don't stop. Don't stop, you know, unless you're doing something that you really shouldn't be doing. You're doing it because it's trendy and that goes back to doing you. So then you're really not doing you, you know? So tell me that not get tell me this though that not giving up that that didn't have everything to do with your mindset of the fact that you really believed that this was where you were going to be 
Oh, it did. I believe this is what I am supposed to be doing. I still remember those times where I would cry in a fetal position because starting a business from the ground up is scary and it's hard. And people don't realize that. Forget the pretty pictures and crap on Instagram. I got a mortgage to pay. Right. So we got to go to the, I'm not saying all that stuff isn't great and you can have your drip marketing and different things and lead to, you know, and your automation set up. So I'm all for that. But a lot of times people get caught up in thinking it's just these simple posts that you do. And somehow now you just have all these streams of revenue coming in. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. You have to figure out for your business, how can this be sustainable? How is this going to work for me? And that's what I had to do. Forget all, because what was happening was when I first started on the outside, girl, it looked like I was doing it. Like, I'm just over here making money. And I'm broke, Jessica. Broke. I'm broke with a pretty picture. Wow. But people think that's fake, and it's not. This is real. You have to so, so firmly believe that this is where you're going and that this is just part of the journey that there's no way in high hell that you would ever give up. Nope, you're not going to give up. When you know you're supposed to do it, you're like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And I learned to fail fast because I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. And I'm going to fail real fast. And I'm going to learn what I need to learn. And I'm not going to make that same mistake again. I'm going to make a new mistake. And I don't mind because I'm going to learn from that one. And that's how you keep growing. And so, and then after a while, my business started to become sustainable and we over here paying bills and stuff, (laughs) you know, and we, we taking vacations. Oh shoot. But it it, it took really being consistent and being humble because to be consistent, it takes humility. It takes humility to see that you're screwing up. It takes humility to see when certain business plans aren't panning out like you expect it. It takes humility to learn from other people. It takes humility to keep going. You know, you got to keep going. It's literally that simple. That three steps, it's that simple. It's that, I'm t- that simple, that simple. And then obviously you, you glaze it all over with, with faith. That, that's, that's always my guiding force. Um, but I'm telling you, learn to truly do you, be your authentic self, to do it well, to be excellent in everything you do. I'm very mindful of that because sometimes, you know, I even catch myself trying to take a shortcut because you think no one's looking, you know, with certain tasks or different yes. things. And I'm like, no, no, Kita, no, no, no. Excellence in everything that I do, everything, whether it's paid free, whether I'm volunteering in the community or whether they gave me just this huge stipend, they're going to get the same experience, same experience from Keto Joy, same thing. I love that you said that though, because that excellence is not only your values, but, and it's not to say that you're not confident, but I heard something the other day that talked about that if you stick true to your values and everything that you do, and you give the best of yourself and everything that you do, and you hold true to that even when no one's watching, which is really integrity. That's mm-hmm. like confidence because you know who you are all the time. All the time. I love that. So true. You know who you are at all time. And that goes back to the do you. So that's why I love my success prescription because they all go together. It all goes together. You can't truly be excellent in everything you do when you don't know who you are. You don't know your values and what you stand for. Mm. That's so, so true. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to close on a negative note, but I, I heard you say this in an interview and I was like, please, please explain this to my listeners. You <laughs> said, do not multitask. Yes. Oh my gosh. And somebody on here is like, what? I'm multitasking right now. Right. No, don't. Learn the art of being present and the, the more you learn the art of being present, the, the, uh, the more you have better time management skills. So like right now, I could do other things and still try to talk to you at the same time. It's like, no, I'm going to give my all to Jessica because what happens is that's when you perform at your best level when you're focused. So imagine for all of my high achievers who are listening, imagine you're multitasking and you think you're doing such a great job. Do you not know you'll do double that if you are focused and probably faster because you're focused on that one task? You can knock it out. I'm focused. I'm, I'm zoned in on it. Get it done. Move on to the next task. And that's back to that excellence. Exactly. Right. Because if you do that, you're shortchanging something. I don't care how you want to call it. They may not realize it, whoever you're doing work for, but you're shortchanging someone. And then ultimately, based on your values, you're shortchanging yourself because you're not giving your best to, to every task. That's like, it's so crazy, but it's, that is so true because you don't get the full value out of something either if you're trying to multitask. I, I made a commitment a long time ago when I first started to li- listening to podcasts a year or so ago. I remember uh, the person that told me about him. I was like, what, when do you have time? Some of these episodes are an hour long. When do you have time to listen to these? And he said, oh, I just do it while I'm working. And I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, and I started listening to him while I was working. And I, I thought I was doing something, but I realized after a while I couldn't, I couldn't, re- I couldn't repeat anything I had heard. So mm-hmm. it wasn't useful to me. And then I started realizing, okay, well, either you have to allocate time to listen to these podcasts because you know how valuable they are or pick a time when you know you can pay attention. So I only listen to podcasts when I'm driving. Because I can put them on a loudspeaker, just like I'm listening to music, and that is my. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Yep, yep. I agree. I'm the same way. I listen to podcasts when I'm putting my makeup on or I'm driving in the car. Anything else, I'm not present. And even with my kids now, I make sure because um, I'll catch myself trying to check my phone, and I'll, I'll purposely put my phone in the room and come out. And just be present with with my children, yep. you know. And I haven't missed a sale, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's fine. Well, so, well, we cannot thank you enough for your time. Oh, I'm so blessed to just have been on this podcast. Thank you for having me. And please and tell please my listeners where they can stop. <laughs> so yes, if you want to stalk me, um, go head on over to Instagram and it's at the Dr. Kita Joy. So that's just D-R-K-E-I-T-A-J-O-Y, the Dr. Kita Joy. And then also you can go to my website, KitaJoy.com, and I have my fabulous and faithful book there, different online courses and just more information about who I am. And how I balance all of this good stuff. Well, thank you for well, your thank amazing you for insight. Your beautiful soul today. And we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, love. Thank you, everybody. 
Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness. Greatness.